Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A run on quarterbacks, heck yeah! Let's have a run on quarterbacks. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Not necessarily in this order. The top of the NFL draft, a little more than a month from now, will include the following names. And I'm talking about the top five, six even. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. There's probably going to be a couple edge rushers up in that mix as well. But you're going to see quarterback after quarterback after quarterback taken. Because this isn't a complicated process for teams that need quarterbacks. Remember, that was your team just a year ago. So as they fall, and I love doing this. I, I, I love doing this every year. But last year was an exception, so it's time for a reminder. Every team that takes a quarterback is leaving behind a player that your team can actually use because the Steelers will not be drafting a quarterback. They might end up with some Chris Oladokun type near the end. Remember, there is still a need for a third stringer. But for all these high picks, and there's a possibility, according to some scouting services, that a fifth quarterback could end up in the first round, not necessarily up in that high range. So what you're talking about here is a team that's sitting at 17, 32, and 49, but we're talking today mostly about the 17 that's going to have one, two, three, four players out. 17 minus four equals 13. You learn something new every day. So the Steelers will have the 13th best player available to them in the draft, meaning non-quarterbacks. That can be a very, very good football player. Now, if you want to carry this concept on to other positions, you can say, well, listen, they're not chasing an edge rusher. And I just mentioned that edge rushers are up there, a couple of them actually in the top 10. And that's not to say that they'd pass on a Will Anderson if he drops, okay? I'm sure somebody would figure out a way to adjust accordingly at the Steelers' offices if they got some superstar that fell to them. But for the sake of this argument, and being as real as real gets, they're going to end up with someone 
who makes them very, very happy. If you're not familiar with the way the Steelers process under Omar Khan and Andy Weidel is going to work out, it'll be like this. And this is according to the team itself. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Weidel is going to make up the draft board. And the board will hold its own. The board will hold true through all seven rounds. And now I'm basing that remark on the way Kevin Colbert did it. But, you know, bear with me. We're going to put some pieces together here. The board holds. But as the pick comes due, you're going to see the Steelers on occasion say, hey, hang on. We already got one of those. Whatever position this happens to be, we got to start turning our attention to somewhere else. So now you look at the board and you say, all right, well, let's say, for example, they take a defensive lineman first, okay? Just for just for fun. When you get to the next pick at 32 overall, you're probably not going to take another defensive lineman or let's say even the third or fourth rounders. So you start scratching those off. You still utilize the board, but you utilize the board for the next best player available, and you try to align that with your positional priorities. Did that make sense? It did in my head. Basically, you work off the board, but you're not married to it. You still have to address what it is that you want as a football team. And Within that, you might see circumstances where, let's say, some wide receiver that the Steelers really value, that they really think the world of, and they have him ranked, I don't know, in their top 10 or 15, but they're sitting there now at 49, and they're going, well, we don't really need a wide receiver. Well, it doesn't matter at that point. You're going to go off the board, off your own board. You're going to pick the wide receiver because he's the best player at that slot. Now, there's another thing that's really important to stress here, and I'm going to be doing this a lot in the month to come, and I'm going to do it even more when the actual draft is happening. And that's this. The Steelers board will not look like Mel Kuyper's board or anyone else's board because they're all different. And in the case of the teams themselves, all 32 of them will have different boards. And I don't just mean different boards when you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. I'm talking about a different top 10. You can take it to the bank that all 32 teams will have a different top 10, not influenced in any way, shape, or form by positional need. When the Steelers do their board, they're still going to have Bryce Young at number one. Presuming that's where they they see him, even though they're not drafting Bryce Young, there's a 0.00% chance they're ending up with Young, but he'll still be number one on their board. So as you work your way down, the further you go, the more the boards deviate. So what ends up happening now, this is from the viewer's perspective, watching at home on TV. The Steelers get to, let's say, the 32nd pick as opposed to the 17th, because there's not too many big upsets that early in the draft. When you get to the 32nd pick and the Steelers take somebody and you go to that panel 
you know, the four dudes that are sitting there in front of the crowd and the, the, the fans are making all that noise in the background and they're going, whoa, ooh. And the announcers, specifically the commentators, the Kuipers and so forth, are going, whoa, that's a big reach by Pittsburgh. Didn't see that coming. Not sure what that's all about, but I had him pegged at number 987, and somehow Pittsburgh took him at 32nd. We'll see how that works out. And you're sitting there, because they know more about this than me or you do, and you're going, wow, the Steelers really messed up. But you don't know that. You don't know that. In that moment, you don't know that. And you know who else doesn't know that? Kuiper and all those other guys, because they don't have access to a sliver of a percentage of the information that the Steelers and the other 31 NFL franchises do. That's just the truth. Kuiper does not have an army of scouts, an army of statisticians and analysts breaking down film, breaking down advanced numbers. And they don't have the means to take all of that information, process it into one big pile, and then have themselves an Andy Weidel sitting at the other end of this big Dr. Seuss-looking contraption to turn it into a board. They don't have that. Steelers do. The other 31 teams do. One thing to remember through that entire three-day drama is that no one, no one that you're looking at, none of those TV people, none of the writers, nobody, knows anywhere near as much as the worst drafting team participating. So in this scenario, in this scenario, the Steelers, I believe, are going to come away with a player that they hold in such high regard that he might be their third or fourth or fifth best guy on the Weidel board. And I'm not exaggerating. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. And today's J1Q comes from JJ who says, Hey DK, with the Devin Bush era now over, can we officially say that this was the worst draft transaction of the Kevin Colbert era? The Steelers had one decent season of play from Bush. And considering the amount of high draft capital invested to trade up to get him, this certainly held the franchise a couple of years back. I can't argue that, JJ. I, I've looked at different players who were selected who performed a lot worse than Bush did. And I'm thinking reflexively to, to Jarvis Jones. Man, I hate bringing up Jarvis in negative connotations all the time. This is like the nicest guy. Uh, I can't say enough about my professional experiences with Jarvis. It 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 breaks my heart that someone who was uh, that bright, that conscientious, who worked as hard as he did, just now only comes up in conversations about draft busts. It's such a cruel process. It really is. Uh, 
Artie Burns is another one. Artie, I mean, also a really good dude. But Artie looked for a time like he might be something. And Artie was given more of a chance than Jarvis was. But Jarvis, man, you got to understand, this was not his fault. Jarvis was not the one who looked at Jarvis's frame and said, oh, yeah, edge rusher. When everyone else, when you want to talk about these peripheral experts, as I was in the opening segment, everyone else is looking at Jarvis and going, no way, man. He's going to get physically brutalized. Wait until he runs into an Andrew Whitworth or someone like that, just a mountain of a blocker. He's not going to go anywhere. And guess what? He didn't. Jarvis would get swallowed whole. And it wasn't anything that he was doing wrong. He just wasn't made for that position. It was such a whiff on the part of Colbert and Tomlin that the aspect that honestly sticks out the most for me was sitting in that press conference room that night when they drafted Jarvis and hearing both Tomlin, it was first Tomlin and then Colbert, using the word special to describe him. Now, I'm happy to tell you they've not used that term again in a draft setting. Biggest swing and miss there. Just absolutely whiffed. And in this case, the outside people proved to be right. Where Devin is concerned, it's a little different. I'm glad that you mentioned you know, that he wasn't always terrible. He wasn't. Those of us who have a memory, you know, that go back as far as, you know, four whole years can recall that Bush had a rookie year that had a lot of people thinking big, got his hands on the football a lot. Remember that? You didn't see his hands on the football at all the last couple of years. What happened? Everyone knows what happened. The line of demarcation couldn't have been clearer. He blew out his knee. He needed a full year to recover from that. He needed another season, according to everybody involved, including the head coach, who really liked him, by the way. And he still didn't really get back to his footing until this past season. The part that that stinks about Bush is that there was so much that happened along his comeback along his ongoing recovery that made you cringe so much as it related to his apparent willingness or lack thereof to tackle. That made him look like not a stealer or like he was cowardly or, you know, or even just if you want to get more innocuous, that he was just worried that he'd re-injure himself. But when everybody in that locker room and everybody on the coaching staff up to the head coach repeatedly and passionately expressed appreciation for the fact that Bush pushed himself to play the season before last. That tells me a lot more about Bush and a lot more about other players who had similar injuries and didn't do likewise. And I'll respect that. I'll respect that about Bush. I'm not going to look at him as, you know, some epic failure or whatever. I hope that he does really well in Seattle. I hope that he can find a way, whatever it is that motivates him or makes him happy to thumb his nose at everybody who called him this or that. I don't know that it's going to happen. His style of play demands a special, I just used the word again level of dynamism he's got to be explosive because he's not a big dude at all he has to get there and he's got to close and he's got to finish 
And here's hoping he does that as a member of the Seahawks. I appreciate the question. A really good one. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 